But, you know, I mean, it's not all bad. The Great Film Experiment is off to a start. The Great I don't know if been... Film Experiment. Yeah. You know, 349 movies uh, to watch in a year. Oh. Oh, yeah. How's that going? <laughs> As of when they're hearing this, it's January the 4th. I've watched three of them. We watched... Well, you know what? We're going to talk about one of them. I'll just say that. Okay. I haven't seen a thing about Wrestle Kingdom. I'm going to watch that tomorrow with my friends because you know time is meaningless to me now how was your new year's it was good i hung out with my wife so you know that's good yeah, we that's don't good. really go out anymore now that we got a dog that hates fireworks so <gasps> oh this was the best part so i went into silver screen printing today to have an interview and i enter the building and the only person to greet me in the front is this tiny little one-year-old uh, puggle, which is, I guess, Aww. a beagle slash pug named Rip. And I walk in the office, and he's just sitting there. And I'm like, hello. And he just goes, Brrr. and I'm like, are we sure? Like, are we sure that's the way we want to handle this? And he's like, Brrr. and I'm like, are we sure? Because I, like, I started to put on like the tough dad voice. Because two things were going to happen there. Either A... That dog was going to charge me, and I was going to get a job there regardless, which would have been great. Like, I was almost like, okay, I can take a bite from a dog to get a job. I said, or two, that dog is going to come over and, like, roll on its back because he realizes I'm not a threat. And then hopefully the people will see this, which is luckily the one that happened. Nice, nice. That's a good play. Yeah, they came out, and they were like, oh, he's super friendly. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't overstepping my bounds with him. I didn't want to scare him. And they go, no, he's just one. He's just very young and small. And I was like, oh, I get it. And I said, but he's a good boy. And like the minute, like eventually they walked back in their office. They're like, someone will be with you. And they're like, just fill this out. And I was like, cool. I was sitting there. He popped right up on the couch with me and just sat next to me the whole time. And I was like, this is not the worst way to go through a job interview. No, I was hanging out with a little, little fucking beagle. (laughs) A little beagle pug. It's cute. Yeah, very cute. cute. How's the world's most surly dog doing? He's doing all right. He was very scared during the fireworks. Um, I bet. And also throughout the week, because people just kept shooting them off. Oh, what about fucking assholes? Because why? Why wouldn't you? Why would you? You know? Why wouldn't you? However, he's been better now. His stomach is calmed, and he got a walk this morning when I came home. And then uh, he got to hang out with his mom because I just fucking went straight to sleep. I mean, that's good. That's that's. I assume his. I assume his day has been fucking great. I'll tell you this, my parents, I don't know if you've seen how much snow it it did here, but like my parents lost power for almost 48 hours. So they came and stayed with us for a night and the most misbehaving cat in the world. You would have thought he went to proper cat school lessons the way he was around them. Like every time they called him, he walked over and he would sit with them and just like let them pet him. But the minute they left, he looked at me and he just started acting a fool again. And I was like, what was this? Was this performative for the grandparents? What, What is this crap? I will never believe you. It's true. My mom, like, my mom, when I got to the house today to help them fix something on their on their computer, she was like, "Oh my god, your cat is so sweet." And I go, "Sure, in front of you, he is." <laughs> Look at me. Look at them. Look at me. Look at them. Look at me. I'm the captain now. That is basically what he was doing. End of your
Welcome, everybody, to TWGTF, or as everybody knows it from the Lone Star State to the great big state of Texas, this is Two White Guys Talking Film. I'm, of course, one of your hosts, Ben. And I'm Tyler. How are you, my little New Year dude? Uh, I'm good. Yeah? Yeah. You know that they they state both uh, counties in the movie. Nah, I don't have time for that. All right. (laughs) You think I, I was paying that close attention to these bananas movies you gave me actually that's not true the first one is bananas the second one might just be an out and out masterpiece second one's pretty good yeah oh (laughs) yeah yeah it was great my dad stayed with us like i told you and uh he ended up watching the second movie with me because he loves that movie and he's like oh i haven't seen that in years he goes do you want to watch it i was like yeah we can watch it it's a really good movie i got my wife to watch it with me because she she just loves chris cooper so I said to my dad, I was like, Chris Cooper was a leading man for like 45 minutes. And then he became a character actor. No, I think he's always a character actor. But John Sales is like, you're my character actor. That's true. You're my leading character actor. Because he's in a bunch of John Sales movies. He is. He's he's one of the staples of John Sales movies. And we're going to get to John Sales in a little bit. But before that, I got to ask you about the best thing we saw this week. Oh, the best thing I saw this week, well, I guess it wins by default, because everything else I saw this week I did not like. So I will go with me walking into an IMAX theater to see Avatar, The Way of Water, after consuming a 100 milligram uh, edible of marijuana. How'd that play? It's pretty good when you're high. Yeah, it is really good when you're high. My trip, I so to speak, wasn't really a trip, but... It peaked during one of the many water scenes with, like, the glowing animals. And I was like, yeah, this is a pretty good idea. (laughs) I also got high the second time I saw it in, uh, not IMAX, but, like, DFX, which is, like, the galaxy version of IMAX. And it's it's a visually striking movie. I, I will say that that movie is really enjoyable. And I bet you if you put that movie on mute, it's even better. I don't know if I can get past the fact that that's also a three hour like science lesson on how we should stop killing the environment. The, yeah, I enjoyed it, but I was also like, mm, smooth brain, no winkies. Exactly. Smooth brain, no winkies. I will say the one thing they did for me in this movie is the thing I actually asked for in the last movie because I sat there. As this movie was about to begin, we were doing the trailers, and I was like, what is it that I want in a movie for Avatar 2 that the first one did not give me? And I came to the conclusion before the movie started, and then I got this, I want Avatar and Avatar violence. And that's what I got. Like, that's the one thing they did perfectly. And also, too, it's a smart way to bring back the villain. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I think this was likely the plan from maybe not the from the beginning but i like that the movie not to you know spoil anything but the movie like you're the time that you spent between avatar one and two is also the time that the movie spent between avatar one and two i think that was really smart i think that was a good way to bridge the gap also you don't really need to remember anything from the first Avatar. It kind of catches you up to speed, which I thought was also a great choice. A lot of people are saying this movie is, like, the greatest movie of the year or, like, a really great movie. I think it's, it's fine. I think it's good. I think it's, you know, 
how I felt about the last Avatar, which I was like, yeah, it's good. I don't know. It's a James Cameron movie. Would like more of those. Visually, it is probably the best movie of the year. Visually. I mean, now I if we're going... will say, yeah, putting like Marvel movies that were coming up in IMAX in front of it did a real disservice to Marvel movies. It did not help. I will say, though, funniest moment in the movie, and it's only an experience I got to have, so I'm sorry you didn't get this, was when the fourth superhero movie came up in trailers and my father almost loud enough for everyone to hear went, come on, is this it? Is this all we have? And I turned to him and I said, dad, this is movies now, unfortunately. Most movies are that. I said, I'm sorry yeah, they, for you. They, they, yeah, they won. They won. Yeah, they did, unfortunately. And it's it's partially my fault, too, because I love those movies at one point. And it's just like, well, no, this is what it is. They've but really yeah. beaten that shit into the ground. You oh, know, God, it's 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 now just like almost unwatchable. Like I said, visually, I think it is probably the best movie of the year. Story wise and everything else, it falls short in some respects. Like it's it's far too long. Like and the worst part is, too, I don't even know what I cut out of it. It's so intricately woven uh-huh. that I just like I don't think you really can cut much out of it because you kind of need like every single thread that the movie throws at you for it to work. And I think it, you know, I, I think it mostly works. I don't really think there's anything bad to it. It was just it was a movie where, like, by the end of it, I had, like, sobered up enough to be like, <laughs> okay, I want I want to go now. I want to be home. <laughs> I've run out of popcorn. I've run out of soda. I've run out of weed. Get I me wanna, out of here. Yeah. I want to go to a murder. <laughs> yeah. You are, a, you are tired after that movie, too. Like, it oh, feels like I it takes you on sleepy. Oh, yeah. Imagine... Seeing it twice in two days. That's that's nuts. Yeah, I can't believe it, too. Well, yeah, I mean, is it going to crest your best of the year list? Probably not. Without spoiling anything, what is your favorite moment in the Avatar movie? When the... <laughs> well, we're definitely beeping that, so <laughs> there's that. Yeah, that is a great moment, because you're just like, maybe someday I'll know what that feels like. Do that. <laughs> no one's ever gonna know what a horrible thing you just said. I think my favorite part is I love that just the underwater stuff. I think it's just so cool. Yeah. And it's very clear like that is what James Cameron spent most of the time doing. Making that water look real, baby. Yeah, that's fair. It's fucking that's fucking crazy how good that movie looks. Like, I don't particularly love the movie. I think it's, you know, fine for the most part. But man, does it look good. It's a very classy looking movie. You know, I'm in for the next four that he wants to do. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, I'll spend $25. Well, a little more than that. I'll spend like $50 to go to, you know... Uh, edible and and a and a Avatar movie. That sounds great. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Avatar. It's, it's good, but I, I, I it's just so long. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's fine. I think 
I th- I was thinking about it. I think the next few movies are going to be a little bit shorter just because you don't have to set up as much. I dug that this movie required no setup. That is the reason I might like it better. Now let me ask you this. Do you like this better than the first one? Yeah, probably. I think I do too. I, it has a lot less set. I might like this one more had I gone and saw the second, the first one like in theaters. But I think this one, I think this one just because once like it gets going, it it's just, I don't know. It's just like, it's lovely to look at. It reminded me of like what blockbusters used to feel like. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. Um, I do. Like I was watching it and I was like, it's crazy how much this is like, just like, man, wasn't Vietnam awful? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> here's yeah. a movie. Yeah, that's very, um, that's very like, fair. I don't think it had anything like overwhelmingly deep to say about literally anything because it's a James Cameron movie. Yeah. And as much as I like James Cameron, I don't think he's very good at overt messaging outside of, you know, Strange Days. Which is not a movie he directed. I, but I, you know, I thought it was looked good. It made me think about, you know, make connections to other movies, make connections to the past, and it just did what blockbusters today don't really do, which is give you an experience. Yeah, I mean, very few of them do. Like, I yeah, mean, it looked good and the action was great, but it also like you know, was about stuff and had shots that were interesting. And the yeah. space looked like a 3D space. You know what I mean? No, no offense. None of that movie's real. None of it. No. Like, it for the most part. It like, Edie Falco's look, real, but everything else is fake. Edie Falco doing, like, hitting a punching bag and an exoskeleton? Is, is, so is stupid. The best, is it the best fucking moment when Edie Falco just shows up in that movie? You're like, What? Yeah, no, when she showed up, I literally went, oh, fuck yes. <laughs> Just, it's so fucking bizarre. It's so fucking bizarre. What was the goddamn best thing I saw this week? Because we've talked enough about Avatar, obviously. Did my dad show up and do the moment where they got to the fourth trailer for superhero movies and go, oh, come on, did anyone do that? No, um, oh, mostly because I don't think they, I don't, I think it was what they did. The trailer for Ant-Man trailer for another marvel movie and then there was a trailer for a not marvel movie interesting yeah there was a trailer for something else and then there was like a only at regal cinema thing and then the movie played the trailers were fucking long though like each trailer was like three minutes long and like you don't need oh it was for guardians of the galaxy volume three i'm like eh. so another superhero movie yeah well, no, that was the second Marvel movie. I don't know what the other movie was. Ah. By the time the third trailer, I was starting to feel it. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm, I'm going to say it right now. Stop it. Enough with the fucking trailers. 20 minutes of trailers is too much. 10 is perfectly adequate. Here's what you do. You sacrifice some of those stupid fucking ads for television, and you market your movies, okay? It's it's so frustrating. Yeah. I don't know. I like the ads. I think the ads are fun. I Cinemark especially is really yeah. bad about trailers. Every time we go, I'm like, oh, we're going, we're going to Cinemark. We're going to the movie theater. It's you know, like, it's fun to go to like a movie theater, and then like you sit down, and there's like, like the sixth trailer. By the sixth trailer, I'm like, all right, come on. Yeah, start, like, start my start my fucking movie. 
I didn't pay oh. for this. Start my fucking movie. I'm not saying you can't run trailers, but it's like when you get a fucking Kevin Hart commercial throughout the yeah. middle of your movie, which which is a fucking short film, you're like, fuck off. Yeah. Like, I'm not paying for this. When, like, one of the actors comes in and is like, an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at Kevin Hart is funny with The Rock. Like, and I'm like, I don't want that. No one wants this. Like, Even Kevin Hart fans are like, that's a bit much, you know? Yeah, it, it's a lot. Oh, my God. No, spank you very much. What did I see, though? Let me look at the letterbox. I'm really enjoying Letterboxd, by the way. It's a good, it's a good site. It is. Let's see, since last week. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Not counting the two we have, so 10 things to choose from. You know what I'm going to say this? Last night... She, anytime she's not working or she's off and I have to watch one of my movies for the movie a day project, she is allowed to like throw out a suggestion. And I'll say the funniest moment of the week goes to when she sits down and she goes, OK, let me look through your list. And she's looking through it. She's like, why does Videodrome sound familiar to me? And I was just like, of all the movies you picked, why did you pick the Cronenberg movie? And she's like and she goes, oh, no, never mind, never mind. And I was like, okay, it's just very funny that that's the one you picked out of the blue. And she goes, yeah, that's really weird. And all of a sudden, then she's reading up a little further and she looks and she goes, what's the devil's backbone? And I said, that's the second movie by Guillermo del Toro. And she's like, oh, I like him. And I was like, it's kind of like Boys Pan's Labyrinth. And we sat down and I haven't seen this in years, so it counts as one of the movies I have not seen. Man, what a treat the devil's backbone is. I have not seen the devil's backbone. You've not seen The Devil's Backbone. I have not seen The Devil's Backbone. Oh, man. I've seen Kronos. Kronos No, that I have not seen. Excited. Excited for when you get to Kronos. I'm excited, too. It's going to be... Well, I mean, I might just save that for you. I I might pick that, you know. Yeah, that sounds like a Tyler pick. Yeah, how did you like The Devil's Backbone? It's It's, it's good. It's Spain, right? Spanish Civil War, uh, 1930s. It's it is literally like boy Pan's Labyrinth. If Pan's Labyrinth is a five, this is like a four and a half only because he did not have everything he needed to like do the thing he wanted to do. But it's damn close. Like this is almost a little more raw than it, too. That makes a lot of sense. That makes Yeah. And it's anytime someone breaks their ankle in a movie, it's the worst moment in a movie. Yes. I think it's only ever topped by like the tendon being slashed. But yes. Ah, Nope, don't love it, don't love it. Yep. That happens in this movie, and you're just like, ah! Like, I won't even tell you when, but man, when you see it, you're just like, ah! It's pan- I, I, not, not Pan's Labyrinth, but um, Pet Cemetery and Evil Dead, the first one. There's a really rough tendon scene. Oh, there is a rough tendon scene. Feet, for some reason, feet being, like, injured in a movie, really, really fucking... That shit sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those things where you're just like, it's just one of those things where it's like you use those all the time. But yeah, Devil's Backbone, worth your worth your time. G- good movie. Yeah, I, I would say I it's. I, I would say if you're it. talking about his his Mount Rushmore, I think there's a very strong case that I would put it on there after watching it last night. Nice. Yeah, agreed. Let's see. What are the two movies we're doing tonight, Tyler? At least, what's the first one? 
first movie that we're doing tonight is a as a it's a nineteen sixty six American drama film starring Marlon Brando, Jane Fonda, and Robert Redford. It tells the story of a series of events set into motion following a prison break. It takes place in a small town in Tarle County, Texas, where banker Val Rogers wields a great deal of influence. Word comes that native Bubba Reeves, Robert Redford, and another man have escaped prison. And from there, all hell breaks loose in Tarle County. Directed by Arthur Penn, lensed by Joseph Lestille, and again starring the venerable Marlon Brando at the highest point of powers in his career, it's the 1966 film The Chase. Baby. It's been a long day. It's been a long two years. You all right? Are you? Look good. You look good. Guess I don't look so good. I missed you, Anna. Like a lifetime. I wish we could go home. Right now. No, no sense to that kind of talk, though, is there? So, uh, uh, Lester got to you all right, huh? No, Bubba, Lester's in jail. What? No, wait a minute. He didn't tell Calder where you were. He waited for me. What are you talking about? What, what is this? Calder's given me an hour. Bubba, he says you haven't got a chance. The whole state's out looking for you. Calder? He says he'll get you back safe. You've got to trust me, Bubba. There isn't any wait other way. Since when you bring messages from Calder? Bubba. I guess it's big this time. Yeah. It's big. If there's ever been a man who was less to be named Bubba, it's Robert Redford. <laughs> Half the movie last night, and I like I watched this movie on a fucking bender last night, like of weed, because I was like, fuck it, I don't have work tomorrow. I'm getting fucking stoned and watching the chase. And I sat there for half the movie and I was like, who the fuck is Bubba? Are they going to show him? And then all of a sudden, like, she's like, she's like, Bubba's a kind, sensitive boy. And I was like, oh, Robert Redford's Bubba. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. It's bubba It never explains why he's called that. Everybody just calls him that. And so you're just like, all right, cool. I guess everybody's just called I guess that's just his name. But it's just like, was he just like a weirdo kid? And then he grew up? Because it seems like he's been in the penal system, like, for a while. I think is implied that he's been away for like two years. Damn. Two or three years. And he was like nearing the end of his incarceration. My favorite thing about this movie is you never learn why. You know, no one's ever like, no, you know, he was in prison for this reason. Like they just well, sort I of think that's I think that's the point. Yeah, no, of course. It's a clean slate. It's, it's, a re- it's a real cape fear. It's a real cape fear thing, except this time, like, he's 100% innocent. 
yeah. Yeah, you, like Max Cady, yeah. you're like, ah, you did it. Like, you definitely did it, but they they fucked you over. Whereas in this, it's like, well, they just fucked you over. Like, you didn't even do it. I, I think it's also one of those things where it's just like, I mean, he could have done it. Like, you don't really know. It doesn't, but it doesn't matter that he was guilty or not. You know what I mean? Like, what matters is that he is on his way now. And he is, you know, that's like the, the point of the movie is that it, none of, none of the, the past doesn't matter. I mean, the past does matter. The weight of the past matters, but the past doesn't really isn't the focal point of the movie. Well, I think I think the movie is to tell you that, like, the past comes back, like, no matter what, like, it's the expression. What goes around comes around. Yeah. Bubba was always going to either get out or escape. And you guys just had to like you had your time in the sun. It was nice. Like everyone got fat and comfortable. And now like this is coming. But it's the fact that this news almost causes like an invisible like panic to spread and it's not even panic it's more of madness that spreads through this town when they find out he's coming yes in many ways it's weird (laughs) it is weird i think the movie is an interesting kind of look at what was going on in the 60s you know it feels very much like a like a 60s problem picture you know and it's looking at like racism the sexual revolution small town corruption vigilantism and i think like class struggle and class issues and i think for the most part the movie really works pretty well its problem lies in the fact that a it's almost the exact same length as our second movie, and whereas our second movie needs to be that long, this does not. This could have been two on the nose or even maybe an hour and 45. I understand you have to build the tension of Bubba and everything, or Bubba coming back and all that, but there is something inherently too long about it, first of all. And I think its other big issue is is that it never really goes... It's, it's, it's weird. This movie doesn't know whether it wants to be a 60s or a 70s movie. I think in some ways you're correct. And we'll talk about why it sort of ended up like that. I think this movie is also like one of the first American movies to fully embrace the influence of the French New Wave. And I think some of the production... And some of the people in the production try to smooth that out a little bit in ways that you can kind of make the the movie feel a little draggy in the back half. I really love The Chase, mostly because I think Brando gives such a strong leading performance that it's enough to kind of prop up some of the aspects that don't fully work. He's like lights out good. He's great in this. And he like, said people did not like his performance at the time, but I think he's amazing in this. Oh, I, I think it's so understated. That's what they were. They were like, he's not doing anything. It's like, no, it's it's what he's not doing. That's everything. Yeah, it's he's a guy whose every move is is so incredibly calculated. I'll put it to you this way, buddy. So far, I know we've got I know the next two don't have anything to do with double features and all. But so far, this has, like, sneakily been your best double feature. 
thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, this is I... like really, this is really well handled. Like, especially like having the whole Texas theme in there, sheriffs, I don't know, concept of like race relations and like just generational racism as well. Mm-hmm. I think the second one is a little bit more dad stuff involved than this yeah. movie. But yeah, this was definitely intentional because I was like, I want to do a chase. And I was like, what's a good movie to pair with the chase? And I was like, oh, the second movie. The second movie is really good. So we joked a couple weeks ago that it's it's a Charles Bronson podcast. I think we've done as many Robert Duvall movies as we've done Charles Bronson movies. Now I think Robert Duvall's overtaken him at this I, point. No, yeah, I think you're right. I think Robert Duvall is due for a full-on double, I think. We just do a Robert Duvall double. Yeah. I don't know if I have any Robert Duvall in my collection, so that might have to come from that, your end. But you know, I'm, that sure, might be I'm sure you've got that some might stuff. Be but I could probably, I could, I could, I could, I could definitely find a Robert Duvall film or films to do. Oh, absolutely. Sneakily, yeah. really good in this movie. It's the thing that nobody gets about actors. Let them play unlikable at times. Like he's such a worm in this movie. He is. He starts out as like so sympathetic, and then by the end of it, you're like, oh, I kind of hate that guy. <laughs> yeah, because you're like, oh, it's kind of all your fault collectively. It kind of is, yeah. Like if he would have just like kind of done one thing differently, maybe this all goes away. Maybe. And I think what makes it so heartbreaking is like he wants to do right, whereas like a lot of the other people in the movie want to just fucking have like the absolute just like want to just fucking be vigilantes. They want to just like shoot everybody. They're drunk and they just want to burn the fucking town down. And he kind of wants to just like make sure, I don't know. Like he, he's, he's definitely selfish. He's doing it for selfish means, but like, I'm never 100% sure if he wants to do it despite his wife and her lover or if it's to just, like, kiss the ass of his boss. You know, or if, if it's, I like, mean, he I knows think, that it's kind of both. I think it's a thing where you are correct about the sexual revolution. Like, it's just on the cusp of that. And it's a movie about, like, a cop drama mixed in with, like, behind-closed-doors drama. Yes. Like, that there's, like, there's ups to, yeah, like, there's, it's it's so weird. And, like, like I said, too, the race relations of it all, like, just the fact that, like, I'll say this, too, fucking Brando takes a fucking horrendous beating in the middle of this movie. Yeah, a really well-shot beating i don't know if you read how they did that or if you figured out how they did that but incredibly ingenious so what they did is they shot the punches physically connecting to brando in slow motion Uh then sped the frames up so it looks like they're hitting him for real Um, oh and it's really smooth and because the way they shoot, like, really claustrophobically, you only see, like, you just see the movement and the after effects. And I think it's just really, just really well done. And a lot of this movie, there's just, there's just a bunch of just, like, very, really good small directing decisions that sort of get undermined by the editing. And 
do we want to talk about Sam Spiegel? Do you much know much about Sam Spiegel? I don't think I do. Sam Spiegel was a big Hollywood producer back in the day, and he was a mover and shaker. He, in many ways, you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to watch my words carefully. In many ways, he was very similar to Harvey Weinstein in more than one way. Big Shot Hollywood producer, produced a lot of great movies. I'm not going to say that he didn't. Most notably, the movie The African Queen and On the Waterfront. Oh, I mean, Jesus Christ. Also produced The Bridge Over the River Kwai and Lawrence of Arabia. So, you know, pretty good at producing. He produced this movie, The Chase, and he sort of wrangled it away from Arthur Penn. That's interesting because this is a year before Arthur Penn directs the smash of all smash hits, Bonnie and Clyde, which is notable for being basically the movie that opens the door to the influence of French New Wave and essentially like starts New Hollywood in the late 60s. Apparently, Arthur Penn has disowned this movie. Oh, that's a shame. Apparently, the head of... This is all rumored speculation, and the head of Columbia, I think, came up to him and was like, "Hey, do you ever want to like do like a director's cut for the chase?" And he was like, "No, nah, it's too painful. I don't want to go back to those memories." He claims it's not his movie, which I think is a shame because I think the movie is a fucking blast. I think the movie's really good. I don't think it's perfect, but I love watching it every time I watch it. You know, I'll say this about it, too. <clears throat> and I looked this up afterwards because I was like, what did Arthur Penn do? And I didn't I didn't connect the fact that he was Bonnie and Clyde as well. Like, if you look at the chase and you don't know it, and then you look at Bonnie and Clyde without knowing that those two together, you can tell if someone if you tell that after someone watches both of them. There are very early, like, moments of Bonnie and Clyde in what he's doing here. Like, I totally understand what you mean by French New Wave. Like, Marlon Brando's whole performance is French New Wave. That's why it works. That and also the opening shots, like, of the chase of the, like, shadows turning into, like, real people and, like, the way that the gun is framed and, like, a lot of the opening credits, like, that's just straight up French New Wave. Like, (laughs) that's just, like, straight up that's where they got that like and before this arthur penn directed a movie called mickey one which was a very low budget film for columbia um starring warren Beatty, which is way more influenced (laughs) by it and was called pretentious like when it came out and is probably one of the reasons why he got the job for bonnie and clyde because the people who made bonnie and clyde or people who wrote bonnie and clyde like attempted to get Godard to direct it but like that was not going to happen because Godard was going to make a completely different movie but anyway all that was Godard to direct wait they wanted Godard to direct this the writer of no not this of Bonnie and Clyde oh Bonnie and Clyde David Newman you know I think I think he might have done it I think he might have done it it wouldn't have been Bonnie and Clyde it would have been a completely different movie (laughs) it's it's true it would have been a different movie for sure but and you know, the thing is, too, I'm glad he doesn't do it because I think Bonnie and Clyde has to be what Bonnie and Clyde has to be. Yeah. And Bonnie and Clyde. Like you don't get everything else if Bonnie and Clyde isn't the smash success that it is. Yeah. And B- Bonnie and Clyde, 
you know, important for many reasons. But I think you can kind of see Arthur Penn go that way. And I think this movie, I think its budget was just a little bit too high to let Arthur Penn go full Arthur Penn. But Bonnie and Clyde, they went back a little bit and they kind of had a little bit more leeway. And that movie was a success, like, in spite of, like, all of the higher-ups involved. If you really want a good book, I would say read read the book about Bonnie and Clyde called Revolution at the Pictures. It's very good. It's not just about Bonnie and Clyde. It's actually about, like, all the movies nominated for the 1968 Best Picture, the Academy Awards. You've, t- I, you've talked about this movie I have talked or this about book. It's a good book. The Chase is, in my opinion, I think, like, the first real precursor. I mean, there's precursors before that that are, like, lower budget, but I think this is, like, the first big budget. You got Marlon Brando there. You got Jane Fonda there. Robert Redford's there. Robert Duvall's there. You know what I mean? Like, this is, like, the the kids are tempting to kick down the door. And then, you know, a big fat producer being like, no, but it's my money, see. And attempting to rein it back to old Hollywood. And that's why it failed. So so your logic is that this is the Black Christmas of American French New Wave influenced movies. Yeah, of the of the new Hollywood, yes. This is the forerunner. This is the this is the guy who gets shot going through the door. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah, you know in Saving Private Ryan, the, the when they like they like lower the front of the of the boat that they, they <laughs> yeah. hit the beach on, yeah. and like the first two guys just yeah, like immediately <laughs> get shot. It's kind of like yeah. that. Well, good good thing to know. I can now I can now post that scene, that still image as the preview for when this episode is going to debut, and be like. Guess what one of our movies was and was compared to? Uh, <laughs> what do you call it, though? What is your favorite scene in this movie? I think it's Marion Hopkins, who is Mrs. Reeves, confronts Marlon Brando. Just because you're just like, man, Marion Hopkins? I didn't know Marion Hopkins had overlap with fucking Marlon Brando. Like, that's insane. But, you know, they did. Cool that they interacted in a movie. It's just a really good scene. It's just two great act- actors just, just fucking having a moment. Did Brando age like super crazy fast or something? Like, I, think... I feel like despite him being around all these people, I feel like Brando, like, was Brando like just famous a lot younger? And that's why we think of him like with the Redfords and like the Duvalls. What's weird is I always forget that Brando had like a 50s run and that by the time he's doing the chase the chase he was originally when the movie was first greenlit back like in the early 60s he was supposed to be the robert redford character he's supposed to be bubber makes sense him i can see playing it too yeah he makes more sense as bubber than not to no offense to mr redford but more than robert redford does it makes no sense. Sorry, I'll offend it's, him all he wants. He's really good in the movie, too. He has, like, two really good scenes where you're just like, damn, no one... like, And it's, like, his fourth movie, too. He's great in it, but it is yeah. just like, a, why would you cast a guy from... Hold on, let me look it up. Santa Monica, California. <laughs> yeah. To play fucking 
above her. And, you know, it's it's not saying that he couldn't do it. It's just kind of a weird choice. A lot of this movie is kind of a weird choice, and I, I kind of love it. But, yeah, um, like, you know, you I always forget that, like, Marlon Brando's breakout was in 1953 when he was in The Wild One. And then, you yeah. know, on the waterfront, and, you know, from there, it's, you know. But, like, I don't know why, but I always think of him as, like, a 60s actor, and he really wasn't. He really, really wasn't. It's it's very bizarre. What's your elevator pitch for this? It's, you know, basically, like, do you want to see an super <laughs> underrated Marlon Brando performance? It, it is, too. It is a super underrated Marlon Brando performance, because... Unlike a lot of the other stuff I feel like he's doing at this time, like, this actually feels like he's kind of awake for it. Not only awake for it, but, like, he is just, he's just, he's just having a good time. That's actually very true. He does have, like, this weird actual, like, happiness, it feels like. It doesn't feel like other things, like, God, I'm trying to find where he's, goddamn, he was famous young. That is what happened. I mean, but, like, he's he's still, like, he's still, like, um, six years away from The Godfather. Like, that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. He looks really old in The Godfather, but I do think they kind of age him up a little bit. Well, the fact that he's also kind of not afraid to play, like, kind of like a fat sheriff in this. I think you're supposed to kind of think that he's, you know, he doesn't do much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe you are. I believe I believe it's like kind of the next guy where it's like he's what the next guy says in our next movie. I'm a jailer. Yeah, it's not that he doesn't do much. It's just that he doesn't really, you know. He just doesn't. He just does, it's not expected to do no. much. And it's so strange because this is what, like eight years from The Godfather and Last Tango in Paris, which are movies where I'm like, man, he looks fucking old in those movies. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, same with like Apocalypse Now, which is like at the end of the 70s, where you're just like, man, this guy has fucking aged. So yeah, yeah. I think he's not technically old in The Godfather, because he's not old in Reflections in a Golden Eye, which, I mean, he's in his probably his 40s when he's shooting that, and he looks fine. But like, by the time he gets to The Godfather, where he's... Pushing 48, you're like, he can't be looking that bad. Well, I think you said a lot of makeup there. And also, like, partway through, like, he has, like, I guess the equivalent of, like, he's shot. Well, he's shot in The Godfather in the midway point. So it's like, I think that ages him up a little bit, too. That's true. I think The Godfather is also supposed to take place over, like, a decade. Really? Uh, but you know i think it's supposed to take place over a few years not not a decade decade's probably pretty long but like i think it's supposed to take place over a couple years i guess that's true because michael is gone for like a good like michael is gone for like a year in the godfather so you could at least say it's a two-year movie i think it's even then i think two three years or so i think i i agree with you i'm saying like at its minimum it could be two years I don't know. I haven't read the book. I heard the book's bad. Whatever. Let's move on. (laughs) I've heard heard the book is bad, too. Do you have anything you want to ask me? I do, which is what would you pair the chase with? I'd pair it with Death of a Gunfighter. Death of a Gunfighter is a good one. There's another good one I thought of while watching it, and that is The Fugitive Kind. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but that's a Sidney Lumet movie. I've heard of it. 
from the 60s really good from 1960 and it's oh no it's lumet it's brando and it's the fucking lady from the italian actress mangiani oh i know who you're talking about yeah uh, i don't know her name but i yeah i can picture her in my head anna mangiani oh there you go she's a great actress great actress tennessee williams play you kind of get to see brando on both sides of the law and he gets to play Valentine Xavier, which is a great name. name because, you know, it's written. It's written by fucking Tennessee Williams at ham. Yeah, I love, Tennessee, I love Tennessee Williams, but my God, <laughs> your names are silly. It's like Valentine Xavier says to Carol Coltrane, like, well, this town is mighty sweltering today. Like, it's just it's just so much. Oh, yeah, it's thing. well, I mean, so was he. Again, I love Tennessee right. Williams. Nothing, nothing wrong with Tennessee Williams. And what do you give it? Another good pairing is low as a as a high noon. Actually, high noon is a great one too. <laughs> Forgot we should probably state the obvious. It's true. <laughs> That's why it's the obvious. I give it four and a half stars. Yeah, I'm gonna give this. Let's see. Now, with Letterboxd, I can jump right to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving this four as well. It's really good. It's kind of a mess in some regards, but I think that messiness, I think it works in spite of it. I don't know. That's interesting. I like that. I like that idea. Because it is messy, I will grant you. But at the same time, too, it still has like just kind of this kinetic energy that you never stop wanting to watch it. You want to take us to our next Texas yeah. town so we can right. try to still help figure out race relations and solve racism? We go from what I am assuming is a northern Texas town to south Texas. Near the Rio Grande, we end up in a county called Rio County, where the Texas sheriff, Sam Deeds, has to pay for the past sins of his father, Buddy Deeds, in this 1996 neo-western mystery film written edited and directed by john sales starring chris cooper chris Christopherson, matthew mcconaughey and elizabeth pena it's of course my jenny six film lone star being a fair doesn't agree with me but the price sure is right Jimmy got a kitchen full of wetbacks, most of them relatives. People breed like chickens. So? So I rouse some muchacho on the street, doesn't have his papers. All he's got to say is, yo trabajo para Jimmy Herrera. Sort of a, I scratch his back, he washes mine arrangement, if you know what I mean. This will be one of your pickups, buddy. First of the month, just like the rent. Get the car, Hollis. I'm not doing it. Come again? It's your deal. There's gonna be something left over for you. I take care of my boys. That's not the point, Johnny. You feeling bad about Jimmy? 
Have him tell you the size of the mordita they took out of his hide when you run a place on the other side. Those old boys from Ciudad Leon. I'm not picking it up. You do whatever I say you do or else you put it on the trail, son. Well, how about this, Charlie? How about you lay that shield on this table and vanish before you end up dead or in jail? You're not making sense, buddy. You stick around and I'm bringing up charges on the county road project. Two-thirds of that money went straight into your pocket. You're being mighty careless with your mouth, son. You ever shoot a man who's looking you in the eye, Charlie? story, isn't it? You're fired. Not a soul in this county isn't sick to death of your bullshit, Charlie Wade. You made yourself scarce. You could make a lot of people happy. You little pisshead. Now or later. You won't have any trouble finding me. Even if this was the only movie John Sayles made, like, and never made another movie after this, I would think you could call John Sayles a master filmmaker based solely on this. I mean, yeah, this movie is so good where I'm just like, man, I gotta, I guess I gotta just watch every single John Sayles movie, huh? He's got a really interesting filmography. He's like one of those guys, too, who's like dropped off the map. He, but like, yeah. I think is still making movies. I think his style of movie kind of ended. He was on the Altman corner. Nobody does those yeah, movies yeah. except for Paul Thomas Anderson now. He's the only guy who can like afford to well, do that. He was an alt like the like an Altman type guy who made movies in the three to five million dollar budget range, which yeah. th- those types of movies don't exist anymore. <laughs> Not if you want to get the cast that he does for his movies. It's insane no. how many people are in this movie. It's because it, they don't like the biggest stars only pop in for like three scenes. Like Chris Christopherson is in like four scenes. Matthew McConaughey is in three scenes maybe two scenes it might, be, it might be it might be two like nuts this movie is just helmed by chris cooper like he's the third build but he is the fucking star of this movie oh it would be one of those things where they would somehow fuck him out of lead actor and you'd be like that's chris cooper's movie you bastards yeah where it's like oh yeah no he's he's uh nominated for uh supporting and you're like how <laughs> is he nominated like, for supporting? literally Every time it transitions, it's on Chris Cooper. By the way, speaking of that, is this the best movie with transitions? The transitions in this movie are, like, every time they happen, I'm like, wow, man. It's so stupid, too, because, like, it's just the same place, which you're like, okay, I've seen that done before. But the way he does it, you're just like, this is a fucking masterwork. Yeah. It's incredible. And it's because it's how he plays with time and how that plays to the narrative of what Chris Cooper's character is trying to figure out. The the way that, well, the th- it's like the way that time folds in on itself and how the weight of the past and the weight of the misdeeds of people, you, you know, that no longer exist inform the present 
inform like how you live and make it so that you know you 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 can't not escape them it's just so well done it's just so good this whole movie is just so so good guys if if you have not seen lone star give amazon three dollars and watch it it is a fucking masterpiece it's incredible it's the type of movie where you're like, guess I got to watch every single John Sayles movie if because if they're even like a fraction as good as this, they're still like great movies. I mean, I'm going to say this. I, I really am wondering why Criterion hasn't snapped this up. They put out Mate One, which did pretty well. And I own and I'm like, I got to watch that now. Which movie? Mate One. Or Mad One. I don't know. I don't know that one. I guess it's Mit One. That's how you pronounce it. It's about a West Virginia coal miner strike in the 20s. Also starring, you guessed it, Chris Cooper. He won't let me stop. Nate Wan, what what year did this come out? 87. Okay, year I was born. Interesting. This dude also directed, like, one of the best sports movies of all time with Eight Men Out. Like, it's, it's weird, the track record this guy has had. And brother from another planet. Like, let's not <laughs> let's not forget that master. A movie my dad was telling me about as I watched this movie, and I was like, I was like, that's a weird idea for a movie. Very weird. <laughs> like I said, he was on Robert Altman's corner for a moment, and then yeah, just like, just... I think these, I think these movies got phased out. I, it's just a like, yeah, no, Baby, it's you is also, just, you know, you just look at his filmography and you're like, these were all made by the same guy. <laughs> he did the you know secret I mean? of the ronin irish weird yeah. yeah yeah yeah. he also did silver city which no one knows what that, oh, that movie is oh that movie's tits are you kidding me is it good silver city yeah it's a movie where chris like cooper plays like a politician fucking fantastic in it supposedly it's like he's supposed to be like george bush or like a george bush type yeah exactly Sunshine State is really good, too, if you haven't seen that. We're just listing off John Sayles movies that are good, guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's fucking dope, and he's fucking dope at what he does. Like, that's the crazy part is how talented he is as a filmmaker and, like, how almost forgotten to time he is. There's another filmmaker, Alan Rudolph, I think is another good example of a filmmaker where you're just like, Shouldn't there be more people who really like his movies? Like, where are all the Alan Rudolph stands? Like, I know there's some, because there's people I've heard talk about him, but, like, there are movies that both of these guys directed that I'm sure are just languishing on old, bad VHS or DVD quality. Shit, with Rudolph, got a couple of his movies that didn't make the jump from VHS to DVD. I don't know any. I don't know any of these movies that this Alan Rudolph guy did, but like they're all, they're um, all like movies that have people in them that are that are like huge. Welcome to L.A. Remember my name. Those are really good. And Trouble in Mind is an interesting movie. I don't know if it's a good movie. I watched Equinox, which stars Lorf and Boyle, Melissa Tomei, and Matthew Modine along with Fred Ward, and it is interesting. Don't know if I would say it's good, but I was like, all right, yeah, that was worth the time I put in. 
You know what Trouble in Mind also has? It has Chris Christopherson. Who's also in Lone Star. Thank you for getting us back on track, Benjamin. You're, Chris Christopherson you're welcome, buddy. is a fucking bastard in this movie. <laughs> Chris Christopherson's character might be one of the worst characters in cinema. Like, that's me, like, thinking about every character I know in cinema. Charlie Wade is such a bastard. Such a bastard. And it's one of those things where it's like, I don't even want to put him in Shithill March Madness because he'll probably win. He does feel like a real one seed, doesn't he? He feels not like a one seed. He feels like a Duke super team (laughs) where it's just like, it's just not fair. Yeah, it is. And I'll say it like moment of the movie is the first time him and McConaughey are in that bar, which I'll be honest, I've seen this movie before, but it's been years. And my dad and I were watching it and I was sitting there and I was like, I remembered snippets of it. But I, but the moment like when that happens, I go, man, I thought this happens a lot later in it. But it's the first no. sequence they share. No, it's the first time they t- they tell a story. It's like they go back, and then I don't think you see McConaughey again for like literally an hour. For a two hour and fifteen minute movie, yeah, you're probably right. He just pops in at the beginning, the middle, and the end. It's it's so wild. So the plot of this movie is this. Two guys are out on this army base looking for shells because one of them uses it in his art and, like, they both work for the army. And all of a sudden, like, one of the guys looks down and there's a fucking skeleton's head poking out of the dirt. And next to it is a fucking rusted up tin star. And it slowly becomes clear that the body is that of Charlie Wade, the old sheriff, like, two sheriffs ago, who was a pretty terrible human being by all accounts. But, I mean, it's up to Sheriff Sam Deeds to discover, like, what happened. And he kind of doesn't want to, but is, like, kind of honor-bound to do it. Well, it's not even that he doesn't want to. Like, you are correct, he is honor-bound to do it. But every single person to a man, and this is the funniest reoccurring joke in the movie that my father and I noticed, every person in the movie's like, let it go! None of us are gonna complain if you don't find out who killed him. Like, everybody is just like, You're, why are you messing with this? Charlie Wade sucked. Buddy Deeds also sucked at times. Not as hard. It was better when he died. Yeah, but there's this nagging feeling about his father. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's just like, oh, he needs to, he needs, he just needs to find out. And it's one of the reason it's it's one of the reasons why it makes his propulsion so interesting is he's attempting to not only figure out who killed Charlie Wade, but he's attempting, I think, to exonerate his father that he doesn't really like, but everyone else loves. Like, I think he wants to go back and prove that it wasn't his father who killed Charlie Wade, but like he deep down knows it was, and everybody's like, no, your dad killed him. <laughs> but they don't care because they're like, look, like like that old woman with the with the Game Boy, which by the way, that that moment just made yeah, me so great. sad. I was like, oh, I'd I'd kill for a fucking Game Boy. 
Like, like a classic giant-ass Game Boy. Look, your dad, he would come around and he'd make sure that the colored vote got out and that the right barbecues were thrown for the right people at times. He goes, but Charlie Waite, he was a mean man. Like, like there was a difference. Like your, like, your father at least respected the fact that, like, you should live and let live. And you don't realize it till, like, partway through because you think the father was also kind of a bastard keeping his son apart from this girl because whereas Charlie Wade was an out-and-out racist being like, I don't like people if they ain't white, Matthew McConaughey's character buddy Deeds is like, look, everyone's allowed to live, but you don't mix with each other. Like, that's the way he feels about it, where Sam is like, no, it's cool to mix with your own kind. It's not until you get to the ending where you're like, oh, shit, there was another reason, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, but everything falls into place, and it's, oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's horrifying. Like it's great when yeah. you fi- when you find that out. But you're also like, damn, like how am I supposed to feel about this? Uh, Naomi watched it with me, my wife, and she at the end was just like, wait, there, and then said it, and I was like, yeah, and she was yeah. like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just watched those two bang, and you're yeah. telling me that? Yeah, yeah I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's an erotic sex scene, too. It's a great sex scene. I'll say it, too. Elizabeth Pena, this is, like, the second, if not the most, just, like, stunningly beautiful. And just also out of her mind good, like I've seen her. Yeah. It's, like, what, this and she... Jacob's Ladder, Jacob's, Jacob's Ladder. I was going to say La Bamba, but I'm like, is she in La Bamba that much? She is in She's in La Bamba. I know she's in La Bamba, but I'm like, is she in La Bamba more than a couple? I don't remember. It's been a while. Our, what, she's also in say, one of your favorites by Brett Ratner, Rush Hour. Yeah, yeah. Um, we should say R.I.P. Uh, Elizabeth Mania. Did she pass away? Yeah, she passed away in uh, 2014. You're telling me Clifton James lived longer than Elizabeth Pena? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to say it, too, by the way. You, everyone thinks this movie is about sheriffs in, like, Texas towns dealing with race relations as well. His double was. No, this was a Clifton James double. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Everybody knows that when he James. popped up again, I was like, hey, it's Clifton James again. This is great. It's secretly a Clifton James double, yeah. Clifton James is one of the most offensive white stereotypes in a movie that I've ever seen. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> Can you explain this? So in both the movies Live and Let Die and The Man with the Golden Gun, which are James Bond movies starring Roger Moore, which I will say it, are two of probably the lower, no, actually the higher moments in his Bond movies, but the lower moments in Bond movies overall. There is this white, fat, stereotype Southern sheriff named Sheriff J.W. Pepper, played by Clifton James, who like gets involved with Bond, not at once, but in two different movies, not even set in America. And it's just the most befuddling thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, you know how you'll cut to a dog in a movie just to get, like, a reaction shot? They cut That's to how him they use him in those shot. movies. Yeah. And it's so <laughs> fucking annoying. It's like, um, why are you doing this? Like, I, It's like, are you trying to make people, make white people look lamer somehow? Because, like, you're doing it. Not white people. I think they're like, man, aren't Southern people funny? Because it's an English production. It's true. So I think it's they're true. just like, Cliff and James, can you just uh, make a funny face for us? And he's like, oh, God. And they're like, perfect. Print. I'm going to say this too. One of the best posters 
maybe for a movie of the 90s is Lone Star. Which is crazy because they use this like fucking everywhere. They use this really bad DVD cover that has fucking Chris Christopherson as pictured as the lead. And it looks like he's doing something cool. And I'm like, what are you doing? What is this fucking cover? And it also lists like Frances McDormand like pretty high on it. And I'm like, she's in literally one scene. But that scene. Listen, that she's great. Scene. She's great in yeah. that one scene. I'm not going to say she's not. I'm just saying. She's in one scene. It's very true. She is only in one scene. I mean, I will say this. It might be the best Matthew McConaughey performance. <laughs> that's a that's mean. <laughs> no, no, it's it's really not. Like he's great. It's really no, not. Yeah. Like he's yeah, like it's really not. It's mean because like he's been in things that are longer than this that people would be like, well, he's in more of that. It's like doesn't mean he's better in it. Like he's not in this long enough to like fuck it up with a Matthew McConaugheyism. Like that's true. Like his character is so not Matthew McConaughey. Think about Matthew McConaughey in A Time to Kill. Like, he's this square-jawed lawyer who has, like, kind of, like, the same, probably, upbringing, but he's still, like, all about the idea of, like, no, everyone can be with everyone. It's fine. This character is, like, kind of a racist. Or not kind of a racist. It is a racist. And it's like, oh, man, like, Buddy Deeds is kind of a, di- is kind of a dick. Like, Well, you think he's a racist for his son do. wanting to to date a Mexican woman. And then it all makes sense in the end. But I think he is really good in this um, because he has to be this myth. He has to be like a projection of this very specific Texan myth of like this hard nosed sheriff who's also good hearted and a good man. Yet he did things like steal money from the county and give it to his girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> It's a difficult balance, but he's not in the movie enough to fuck it up. That's why it works, too, is because he's not in the movie. Like, that builds the myth around him even larger. You kind of have to go off of what you've seen, and you also have to go off of what everyone says, too. The character of Buddy Deeds is almost played by nobody. You only get brush strokes of Matthew McConaughey, like, in scenes. And that's, that's the true. thing, too. Other people are telling the stories where you see Matthew McConaughey, so it could be fucking bullshit. It could be anything. Yeah, no, you don't. Yeah. you don't get. That's the. I think the great thing about this movie is it's constantly letting you know that these are just stories. I think Chris Cooper plays it pretty well, where it's like, well, you can't really take anybody and any value here because it's just. It could be anything. Well, it's also the fact that Chris Cooper's character, and this is another theme in this movie that plays so well, this movie is about fathers and sons, and not just about fathers and sons, but generational upbringing. Like, Mm. even though he's not related to them by blood, the character of Charlie Wade is the same character as Sam and Buddy. Mm -hmm. Like, he's a guy who's been sworn to protect a town, and, like, chooses to do it, but goes about it in a different way. Like, this movie has like nine different plots and you think to yourself they're never going to be able to juggle nine different plots and then they do absolutely does they keep introducing characters like an hour into this movie and you're like there can't be more characters stop introducing people and then my you don't favorite, care because it keeps working out it keeps working my favorite is when there was a moment where i like totally forgot about a secondary character and then he just popped up again and i was like oh my god I haven't seen you in like an hour. Like, 
<laughs> it was like the perfect time to bring him back into the story because I had totally forgot about him. When Otis's grandson comes to the club and that shooting takes place, my dad was like, okay, so that's got to be Otis. What's Otis's son's name? It's the guy from Brother from Another Planet, too. I think it's Joe Chet? Morton. Or Joe Martin. Joe Martin, yeah, that's yeah. the son. When Otis's grandson, Chet, comes to the club and that guy gets shot, my dad was like, okay, I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be Joe Morton's character as a younger guy. And I'm like, okay, maybe. And then seconds later, the way they tell you it isn't is you see that guy being hauled into jail by Chris Cooper for the shooting, like or like one of Chris Cooper's guys. And you're like, okay, so that's not him. You know, he plays with time in a way where he's constantly jumping between timelines. But the way he does it is he shows you who people are at the start. So, you know, whenever you're with Sam, you know, you're in the present. Mm -hmm. Like as long if you see Charlie Wade, you know, you're in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like and it, those it, are the two it, key characters. It works. It just works so well. It's a near perfect movie. Yeah. I think the Chet Payne, the moment that I'm talking about is when Chet Payne goes, Chet the son of Delmore, who's played by Joe Morton, who is the son of uh, Otis Payne. When he goes and visits his estranged grandfather, that whole side story happened, like, like just got dropped for, like, 20, 30 minutes. And it's very similar to a moment in A Brighter Summer Day where they bring up all of this like espionage angle and like the father's dealings with like the you know yeah. running from the communists and stuff like that and you're like where's that going that's weird and then they don't bring it back up for like an hour like they just like for, they're just like we'll get back to it yeah this movie exudes a confidence in its storytelling that is so refreshing that it's just it's just so nice just when a movie's like no no don't worry about it i know what we're doing no, no, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll get back to it. Don't worry about it. It's because I feel like even though he's pulling at so many threads, he's also on the other end of those threads holding them all together, being like, no, I got this. Don't worry. I'm doing this because I know what I'm doing. Like, like in this moment, trust that I know what I'm doing here. Yeah, that's good. It's so good. It is. It's really well done. What is your favorite scene? That's difficult. My, f I think my favorite I love the speech Sam Deeds gives about his father at the opening of like the new county prison or like the re the renaming after yes. after Buddy Deeds. But I think the moment that really blew me away and really was like, oh, this is this is a five star right here is when Chris Cooper goes to Mexico to talk to to somebody who has a story of being an eyewitness to a murder that Charlie Wade committed and then it like cuts to that scene and then that scene's so tense but instead of cutting like back to like the end of him telling the story it like cuts to just these random people in mexico and you're like that's interesting that's a weird little bit you know bringing these people in and, and you're like who are these people and yeah there's just so much of this movie is just like so good you didn't even talk about Miriam kolan the Puerto Rican actress who plays Elizabeth Pena's mom. She is really good. And like kind of the journey, she, journey she goes through too. And like I said, you know, I'll, I'll save it. I'll save it for a moment, but yeah, no, she's really strong. I mean, shit, dude, we haven't even talked about the fact that Francis McDormand just shows up for three minutes for a scene. 
throwing heat. Like, so you still going to all the home games? Daddy's guys box in the stadium, and I'll fly to the Cowboy away games when they're in the conference. And then on Friday nights, there's high school, of course. Churchill's got this boy six foot six, 310 moves like a cat. High school, we're talking. Guess how much he can bench press. Bunny, you, uh, you on that same medication? Doesn't even really have anything to do with the movie, but also is so pivotal to the character of Sam. It's such a strange character performance that you're just like, okay. <laughs> you're like, I suppose. I guess this is okay. And you got Chandra Wilson too, like just yeah. popping up in this. Yeah, like er everyone who shows up in this movie, it's insane. It's just absolutely nuts the amount of people who are just in this movie and like the amount of time they spend. The scene with him in Mexico where he draw where he draws that line in the sand and he says, "You're no one here. Like you're no one. You're just you're just a gringo." Like and just like the flip of it where it's like you can't you can't bully me over on this side. He's not trying to. He's just like I just want to. I just I'm fucking investigating this thing. I was told that you have information, and then he gives them the information because he's like he's like I'm not here to investigate. Like I'm not gonna arrest you. I'm not gonna bully you. I'm just like. <laughs> I'm just asking questions. Well, and the guy is like, like the rest of him, he's like, fucking let it go, man. Like, none of us care. We are yeah. not looking for Charlie Wade or justice for him. Like, fucking let it go. The first scene between McConaughey and, and Christopherson is just like, you're just sitting there and you're like, this might be the tensest moment in a movie. Yeah. And like, you just like, and I love the lot, my dad, my dad and I just like just like we're just like damn that line where he says like he goes you ever looked a man in the eyes when you shot him charlie and you're just like fuck he just called you a coward like oh so good it is and i mean i guess it begs me to ask the question what is your elevator pitch for this you want to just look at like an american masterpiece i think what the chase was doing for like the 60s like i think this movie was trying to do for the 90s which i think is why they kind of work so well together yeah and i think this accomplishes it a little better uh yeah no i think this is because i think they let him fucking do what he wanted to do <laughs> yeah yeah probably that helps yeah you got a question for me i do have a question for you which is what would you pair this with you know, if I'm going to go with a John Sayles movie, I'd probably pair this with Sunshine State. Yeah, those feel like a feel like they might they might coexist. Yeah. Well, but if I'm not going with a John Sayles movie. Oh, how I want you to say another John Sayles movie. It's probably <laughs> Ash is like me, too. I love John Sayles. He's my Ash, guy. Ash is yelling men with guns. I've not seen Men with Guns, so that one I'm that one I'm not aware of. God, though, what is a what is a movie that kind of plays like this? You know, just to bring it back to Robert Duvall, The Judge. All right. Interesting. <laughs> no, no. What the fuck? You know, honestly, I don't even know. But I think I think it would be Sunshine State, just to kind of keep it in a John Sayles like way. All right. Fair enough. I was gonna say I don't really know if I um. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like a western that kind of plays like this. I don't know. Oh, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance actually would play oh, with this really well. There you go. You know what else yeah. would work? I hate to say this because it's by a director I don't like, but Chinatown. Yeah, Chinatown 
actually would really play well with this. Yeah, that's a long day. It's a long day. It's weird for this movie also being two hours 15. It does not feel does like two not, hours and no, 15 it minutes. Feel like it. No, 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 no. It does not at all. I think it's because there's so much going on that you never get bogged down with one person. It breadcrumbs you really well. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Just gives you enough. Yeah. You know what I mean, like you don't got to give you don't got to give the whole thing. You just give enough. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I have one more question. Yeah. I think you probably already answered this, but Ben, do you think this pairing works? Like I said, this might be your best double of this cycle so far. Like I've really enjoyed I really enjoyed To Die For and Stoker. I thought that was fun. The Visitor and Breakout are both just bananas choices. <laughs> and Brighter Summer Day and F for Fake are very interesting, but this this is just legitimately a good double. Like if I were to see this at like a movie theater and I look up and it's on, I'd be like, that makes sense. That makes sense seeing both of those up there. Nice, 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 nice. Yeah. So Tyler, after that, what do you give this? I give it five stars. Four and a half for me, but I mean, like it's it's on the cusp. It could easily th- just kick over into five. I think it's got room to breathe. I think realizing what movie was playing at the drive-in theater and like <laughs> I don't know that got me they're playing a and it's a reference to Elizabeth Pena being oh interesting interesting it's a oh. nice little it's a nice little foreshadowing the best moment for her in the movie is where she talks about seeing buddy watching her in the schoolyard like, because once again, they don't do the thing that lesser filmmakers would do, which is to show you the scene of it. They just like let you focus on her talking about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, four and a half, five. It, it makes sense. Well, it's that time of year, buddy. Oh, no. Does that mean we're doing best of next week? Uh, we're doing part one for sure, because oh, guys, boy. I don't know if you know it, but. 2022 is over and 2023 has been rough for one of us so far but luckily next week it's not going to be so rough because we're going to count from 10 to 6 backwards and we are going to look at the 10 to 6 for our best of the year 2022 as we count down figuring out what is going to be our number ones so are you are you excited all right i got some cramming to do tonight We'll exchange on Saturday at the very latest, and then that'll give us a week to watch at least the first half. Yeah, for next week, 10 to 6, that's going to be fun. And you can, of course, follow all of our antics at TWGTFpod on Instagram. And yeah, that's that's the only place they can follow TWGTFpod. We're posting now twice a week at the very least. One of them is a preview for what's coming up next, and the other is just the show post, but we are doing it. And you can follow me at EmptyCritic87 on Letterboxd, and you can follow me at MovieLovingLucha87. Tyler, is there where they can follow you? Uh, they can follow me over the Mexican border where I have questions to ask. And for TWGTF, Two White Guys Talking Film, I've of course been one of your hosts, Ben. And I'm Pilar Cruz. And remember, guys, you come to our little video box where on the way and you see a bunch of people hiding in the back of a melon truck. Well, those people are just trying to get the American dream. Let them through. And don't tell Charlie Wade. All that other stuff, all that history, to hell with it, right? Forget the Alamo. Talking, 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 talking.